0: Take your copy of God's word and turn to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18. And I must tell you this morning, as we look at this passage, we are broaching one of those subjects that I think is so difficult for so many of us. And I admit to you right up front that this is one of the most difficult issues that I wrestle with from day to day. It is the issue of forgiveness. It is the issue of extending grace to other people. I must tell you that I struggle with that often. To, to be able to give such grace to other people. Grace that I know that has been required in my life. But yet grace that is so difficult to dispense to others. I think this morning as we look at God's word, as we continue this idea of the tough sayings of Jesus, or so the tough words to hear, the hard things that Jesus says to us, he says something to us about our relationships. And all of us in this place probably today can relate somehow to this idea of the associates that we have around us and the forgiveness that we should be giving to others. All of us in this place. So this morning, just know that that I believe this message could touch all of us. Now, I believe every message could. I know that. God somehow takes the word, and he uh, allows us to experience change and transformation through that. But I am convinced that today all of us can easily apply this message to our lives because I believe if I struggle with forgiveness and extension of grace to other people, most likely many if not all of you do as well. And yet Jesus challenges us. I want us to see this morning as we look at this story Jesus tells and the context in which he tells it. Beginning in verse 21, Jesus is going to approach his disciples. He's going to speak to them about what this grace is all about. And it says in verse 21, in particular, that Peter comes to Jesus. It says, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. I want you to see this question first. I want you to see this question that is posed by Peter, the spokesman of the disciples. Now, Jesus has been talking about how you deal with your brother who has sinned against you or maybe you in some way, you've offended them. He has just spoken about how you are to make those things right. Jesus just told his disciples how they are to live in right relationship with other people. So, here's Peter. He's thinking, and and like many of us, when Peter thinks, he thinks out loud, right? I mean, it's not something just to to allow to be in his mind. He's got to say something. And Peter says, what would Jesus, now come on now. If we're going to forgive, that means we've only got to forgive, what, seven times? Seven times? You see, the rabbinical teaching of the day said, well, some said three, some said seven, that you had to forgive. And after those three times or those seven times, then that was it. You were no no longer under the obligation to forgive a person. So get this. Peter's like, now I know I'm up to six times with this friend of mine. And Jesus, they've got one more according to the rabbinical teaching that, that we've heard. And if they go across, if they offend me this one more time, Jesus, now tell me, tell me, tell me, I don't have to forgive them again. There's got to be some limit. There's got to be some constraint. There's got to be something that says I don't have to forgive them. Well, you could see that that would be a... Logical question, it would be maybe a question some of us would ask. uh, Do I really have to forgive these people? Or do I really have to go there in this relationship? Do I really have to try to make amends in such a relationship? Many of us may ask a question like that. Peter does, and he represents many of us. And this is the way Jesus answers him. In verse 22, it said, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, But up to 70 times 7. Some of your translations may say 77 times. Either way, it points out that Jesus says you got to keep on forgiving. And then he tells the story to illustrate. He's a good preacher, right? He's got to have a story somewhere along the line to illustrate his point. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he had laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until... He should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Can you hear that story? And can you hear the offense that that New Testament first century audience may have experienced as they heard Jesus speaking about this continued idea of grace and forgiveness? Now again, he is speaking back to the question Peter asked. And he is giving this illustration. He's giving this story. Well, you see in the beginning it talks about the grace that this one servant experiences. You might want to call it the grace for me. The grace that we experience before the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Because it says that this Picture of heaven, this picture of the kingdom, this picture of Jesus Christ. It says here that it tells about this servant who had owed so much to the king. The king is going through the accounts, he's settling up things. Perhaps he's doing this audit, and when he gets to the books, he notices this servant, perhaps a guy that had assumed a very special position in the kingdom, that this man had run up debt after debt after debt. Notice what it says, 10,000 talents. That was an exorbitant amount of money to owe. I mean, we can't even begin to fathom that amount. Uh, If you were to put it in context of the day, all of the Palestinian lands that would be ruled by Herod the Great's children, all of those lands, what they would do is they would offer approximately 900, get this, 900 talents to Caesar annually in tribute so and all those lands when they gathered up all the tax money and they gathered up all the stuff they would offer 900 talents to Caesar okay this says that this one man this one man owes 10,000 talents can you imagine how mind-boggling this is then if all of the region in their taxes were asked to offer to Caesar 900, and now this one individual, well, he owes 10,000 talent. A talent in that day was the highest denomination of currency that you could find. And 10,000, well, that was the highest number that you could find in such a language here. So he, Jesus says it was this great amount that was owed 10,000 talents. husbands i don't know if you've ever seen that kind of debt before wives perhaps you've seen that debt kind of before that exorbitant debt that can come in in lives you know we live in a culture today of of all kinds of debt all kinds of consumerism and all kinds of materialism which lead to debt but this is a crippling debt that this man owes. So what happens? Well, the king's doing his little work, okay? He's doing his little audit. He's settling accounts. He comes to him and he says, okay, it's time to pay up. Isn't it amazing that when people loan you money, they expect you to pay them back? Every bank I've ever found, a bank, they do that same thing, you know? We got some bankers here. I mean, always wanting us to pay you back that somehow you're going to get the little card, you're going to get something in the mail. It's going to remind you you got to pay. If you don't pay, what do they do? Well, they come and take your stuff away, right? They come and take it back, which is, doesn't even seem fair at all. But the king, he comes and he says, okay, it's time to pay up. We've got to settle this account. Notice verse 25, it says, but this man was not able to pay. What was he not able to pay? Because look, this would be like millions of dollars to us. He could not come up with millions of dollars to pay this man back. There's no way. So, as common in the day, it says that his master commanded that he be sold into slavery. Not only the servant, but his wife and his children, all that he had. So that at least through this sale, they could somehow pay back some of the debt. What did this servant do? He did the only thing he could do. He did the only thing that we can do when we recognize such debt in our lives. It says that he fell down before the king. The posture that we have often indicates the expression that we feel in our hearts and lives. For example, let's say today that if you are looking intently at me, I feel like you're listening, right? Now, some of you have perfected this, and you may not really be, but (laughs) if some of you are... uh, Kind of lean into one side. You're probably not listening, right? Maybe. If you've got your eyes closed. <laughs> I'm about to call a name or two, by the way. Just know, Then you're totally disconnected to what's being said. Because our posture often reflects the expression of our heart. And really what's happening inside, right? So get this. The guy falls down. There's a reason in scripture people fall down or prostrate themselves. Why why would people do such a thing? To express humility, to express need, to say I am unworthy. I must have some type of grace expressed in my life. And that's what this guy's doing. He falls down before his master. He knows he cannot repay this. And he, look what he does. He says in verse 26, he says, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Just give me an extension. Just, just extend the time just a little bit. And I will pay you everything. Do you see the impossibility though of his statement he says i will pay you everything where are you going to get the money this again this would be like millions of dollars in our day where are you going to get that much money to pay back this king? where are you going to get it you're going to go steal it you're going to go even millions of dollars And then it says in verse 27, you got to circle this because you got to just love this. Folks, you, you got to, you've got to praise God for these kinds of statements in the scripture. Because it says, Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him. The dead. It's an outstanding statement. That the king would consider all. He was owed millions. And yet when he saw the humility of this man. When he saw him. He was moved with compassion. Remember last week. We talked about the story of the good Samaritan. And that one Which. Uh, came and, and was able to help that one which was in need. We talked about how he was consumed, moved with compassion. And I told you then that compassion moves you to action. If you are really compassionate about somebody and you really love somebody, it will move you to action. And notice here it says the king was moved with a compassion and what did he do? It says he released him and get this. He just forgave all of the debt. He forgave it all. Millions. Millions. He just forgave it. What an expression. Of grace and remember when Jesus started the story he said what that the kingdom of heaven is like and in other words God's kingdom is kind of like this you know the king which almost universally represents God in this New Testament age this New Testament time period in these writings the king who is God has expressed unlimited forgiveness and grace toward individuals that could not repay the debt that they owed. That is an example of what God has done for you and what he's done for me. That is an expression of what God has said that he was willing to do for those of us who came humbling ourselves repenting of our sins and calling upon christ as our savior that's what he does because get this get this you and i owed a debt that we can never repay we did now i know what some of you out here some of you are very esteemed people i know that some of you aren't probably but many of you are very esteemed people okay and you think to yourself you know I, I'm not that bad. I, I'm, I'm really not that bad. I grew up and I did my thing, and but I'm really not that bad. You know, when I was growing up there in Birmingham Ridge Baptist Church, I, I really thought to myself that I was a pretty good boy. I thought I was doing things, you know, the way I was supposed to be doing them. And, you know, everybody told me I was a good boy especially mama and after some repetition of that phrase over and over you begin to accept the idea and the concept many of us we think of ourselves as good people as good people and i'm not saying that all of us is bad or we were as bad as we could have been i'm not saying that whatsoever but I am saying this morning that all of us were as bad off as we could have been. All of us. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in this building. That's what the Scripture teaches. James has told us that if we've broken the law in one place, right? One place that we've broken the whole law. Can you imagine the depravity of that? Can you imagine the scope and the extent of that idea that all of us, everybody in this place, that we have broken like the whole law, that what we have sitting here today are adulterers and murderers and liars, people who are idolaters, all of us in the same category. And no matter what we have tried, no matter what we have attempted, we could not pay the debt back because we owed so much. We owed so much. Millions and millions in spiritual currency we owed before a holy God that was just and righteous. And what did he do? He looked upon us with compassion. He was moved and he canceled our debt. Now, I got to control myself here just a moment because you will think I've gone Pentecostal on you probably. <laughs> Folks, he has canceled every debt that we have, everyone. All of us who had fallen short of the glory of God. All of us who deserved nothing. Yet God looked at us and he sent his one and only son, the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for us. And as we have come and humbled ourselves, he has forgiven us of all. Oh, friends, what grace we have received. This morning, whether you were in this service or the other service, we sang about the cross, we sang about the blood which washed us it was through the grace of Christ. It was through the grace of God that we have seen forgiveness no matter who we are. And I think that is the expression of the kingdom. It is the picture of the kingdom that is that is portrayed for us here. So it begins there. This idea of forgiveness, this idea of grace, and how many times we would forgive somebody, we first have to recognize how absolutely blessed and forgiven we are. And he goes from there and he says then in verse 27 or verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So get this. Here's the guy that's been forgiven millions and millions and millions. He could never have repaid his debt. And he goes out. He begins settling debts. Perhaps, perhaps he had gotten the idea from the king and said, you know, I need to go out and settle accounts. Not for the benefit of paying the king back. He didn't have to do that anymore. But he goes. And he finds one of the guys that owes him a 100 denarii. 100 denarii. Now, again, a denarii basically would take care of your needs for a day. So let's say... For the sake of argument, let's say that this was about three plus months of pay or wages. It's it's a rather significant amount. Sometimes we sometimes we uh, lessen the significance of the amount owed here. I mean, it's it, a lot. Three and a half months. That that's a lot. And he says, "You pay me what you owe me." And notice it says that he turns to physical violence. To demand such payment. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying. Have patience with me and I will pay you all. Do you notice this? Same language he used. Almost verbatim. The words that had come from his mouth. Hey just give me a time extension and I will be able to do this. The same words now are coming back to him. And how will he respond? Well, it says, and he would not. Isn't that the stubbornness that we demonstrate sometimes in our lives? It could just be described. It could just be described in that phrase, and he would not. And she would not. It says, but when and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. How is he going to pay the debt in prison? He's not. So in other words, this guy has been relegated to imprisonment. This individual who had experienced grace had now had now thrown this other individual in prison. Well, it teaches me a lesson as I think about this idea of grace for you. Most of us, most of us want grace for our lives, but we want justice for everybody else. Think about that a moment most of us want grace for ourselves but we want what is fair and just for everybody else let's say you're driving down i20 you're going down i20 you know that you need to make it to your destination at a certain time and you think if you just kind of if you just kind of put a little extra pressure on that accelerator you can get there a little bit more quickly right so you're driving down i don't know you're you're, you're driving maybe i don't know 70 78 i would never do anything like that because i have law enforcement people here uh, <clears throat> never do anything like that but 78 you're driving down and and here you are driving you know you're breaking the law and all of a sudden this person comes by you and just i mean just passes you you know they've got to be doing i got to be doing 85 or 90 miles per hour you know they've got to be doing that right and they pass by you like you're just sitting still and it aggravates you doesn't it you know it does so you're driving along and all of a sudden you look up you see blue lights that's not the most comforting sight when you look in your rearview mirror is it those blue lights they come right up behind you you can feel it you know you're like thinking what am i going to do you know we preachers we put bibles on the dash we um (laughs) we pull out our clergy cards you know and everything think what am I going to do what am I going to say you know at this point and you can feel it you you're just you're just about to pull off you can just you're about to do it and all of a sudden he just goes around you he just goes around you and you think to yourself God thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you I don't know how to explain this to my wife when I got home thank you thank you thank you that i didn't get a ticket so you keep driving you go about five miles on down the interstate and you see that he's pulled off that long lost friend of yours (laughs) the one that was doing like 85 or 90 and what do you say i hope he gives it to him Man, that dude, he was just blowing by me. He was endangering people. He was driving too fast. I hope he gets a ticket. You know you do. You know you do. That's a simple illustration, but I'm going to tell you that we live like that often. God, give us grace. Give us grace. God, give others justice. As recipients of God's grace, as recipients of God's grace, we actually have a responsibility to demonstrate grace to others. As, as recipients, we are the ones who have been given grace. Somehow, we are to demonstrate that type of grace to other people. Here, this individual, he doesn't even begin to comprehend, obviously, he doesn't be he's not able to comprehend the greatness of god's forgiveness the graciousness of what god had done says other servants see what has happened and they go and they tell their master and the master they he he calls him in and he says uh, hey you wicked servant i forgave you all the debt because you begged me should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. He says, notice here, he says, didn't you have a responsibility to demonstrate grace to that servant? You've been forgiven. You have had all your debt canceled. Do you not have a responsibility to relate to others in such a way? You see, the answer to Peter's question is, there is no artificial limit. There's no boundary of God's grace and love. God wants us to continue to have an ex- a heart of forgiveness and a heart of grace. No record keeping. No record keeping. You can delete those files. You can throw them out. Now, I'm not saying you forgive and forget none of us in this place. None of us have that idea of forgetting. Well, none of us can do that or have that ability. But we can still forgive. And we can still show grace. Those of you in your marriages, I've worked through this with so many. Husbands, demonstrate trust. Wives, Don't always bring up the past. Demonstrate forgiveness in your relationships. Demonstrate your forgiveness in your family. Demonstrate forgiveness in your church. It is so easy for us to be critical in that moment. But God calls us to be gracious in our attitudes and in our hearts toward one another. I said this a few weeks ago. I think it bears repeating. I realize that God has called me to give grace. One, because He has demonstrated such such grace in my life, but also because I recognize that I need grace from others. I'm going to mess up one day. I am. I've already messed up probably today, and I need grace. From other people. Someone has said. Well I never forgive. To which another person said. Well I hope you never offend. Forgiveness. It is through what we see in Christ. That we are able to forgive. According to tradition. Da Vinci as he was painting his Lord's. His last supper. It said that when he got to paint the face of Judas. He painted the face of of one of his enemies. And then he went to try to paint the face of Christ in that Last Supper. But he couldn't do it. For some reason, he was so troubled, he could not do it. Only until he went back and he blotted out the face of his enemy could he then return to paint the face of Christ. And friends, only until we're willing to demonstrate grace and forgive will we really see the reality of Christ and his life and who we are. Because the scripture also teaches us that as we relate to others, so God relates to us. Don't miss this. It is a tough saying of Jesus. But he says in verse 34 that the master was angry, delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. There was no way. There would be no payment. Verse 35, Jesus said, So my heavenly father also would do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This was not the first time Jesus had said this, even in the record that Matthew gave us. Because remember, when Jesus was praying, Matthew chapter 6, when he was teaching his disciples, he said, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he said later on in that same context, he said, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Friends, that's a strong word. That's a strong word. God says you need forgiveness. And if you've truly experienced that grace and that forgiveness in your life, you should be people easily to grant forgiveness to others. But he says, if, if you have such a hard heart, if you have such um, hatred in who you are, just know, just know that there are consequences in your relationship to me. It's a very difficult saying of Jesus. And yet, that saying should sober all of us in this room. So that we demonstrate grace and forgiveness. How many times do I forgive? Well, the forgiveness of God is unlimited. And the forgiveness we should be demonstrating to others should be unlimited as well. It is the message of Christ that he gives us and grants us. And I pray that tomorrow, this afternoon, whenever it is, that we would demonstrate that type of grace, that type of forgiveness in all of our relationships, in the home, in the church, in the community, wherever we are, that we are those kind of gracious people. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful today again for your work and Lord, for your forgiveness. God, we are overcome. We are overwhelmed that we have been so blessed and so forgiven. And, Lord, may that reality demonstrate itself daily in our lives. And may we be people who extend grace and forgiveness to others. Bless our relationships. Help us to make those wrongs right. Help us to live like you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.